Welcome to Ideas at the House, a podcast featuring live talks from the Sydney Opera House. Hello and welcome to the Sydney Opera House, where we are actually here sitting on the stage of the Joan Sutherland Theatre. Of course, the whole theatre is empty, which is weird and also kind of beautiful. But I'm so happy to be back here in this building after an extraordinary and very strange period that we're still going through, of course, to present the beginning of this season from our house to yours, where we are going to be bringing you music and cabaret and all sorts of different theatre and, of course, talks right here live from the stage. So today we're having the first of what will be a series of talks and ideas events called Thinking Through a Crisis, where we try and make some sense out of this major global event that we're all living through and reflect on how COVID-19 has affected all aspects of our lives and and of our world. I'd like to acknowledge that we're here on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and pandemic or not, it always has been and always will be Aboriginal land. I'll pay my respects to Elders and to all First Nations people that might be watching today. My name's Edwina Throsby and I run the Talks and Ideas program here and I'm extremely pleased to be joined today by the wonderful writer and best-selling novelist Charlotte Wood. Charlotte, you've won pretty much all of the awards for books, which include The Natural Way of Things and most recently The Weekend. So, Charlotte, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's kind of exciting to be in this amazing building. It always is, but in this eerie, strange way, it's kind of cool. It really is. I don't, and, and even just preparing to be here was, was quite a thing. I don't know, it took me a good 15 minutes to find my makeup bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we've all lost our um, usual... Routines, right? Ways of just going about our lives. Yeah, shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I feel like I need to preface this conversation um, by acknowledging generally that we're here to talk about our responses to COVID-19 and the coronavirus issue. But we're coming from quite a lucky place. You know, we Mm. live in Australia, which has got on top of this quite quickly. Um, You know, we're recording, like like we're here today at a point where restrictions are beginning to be eased, where people are seeing each other. You know, we haven't lost our jobs. Um, We both have homes to self-isolate in. So unlike a lot of people around the world, we're doing okay. And... But at the same time, we have also gone through a period that has been almost unprecedentedly global, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's an experience and being in lockdown, which the vast majority of the world has been, has given us all a similar set of problems and a similar set of circumstances and a similar set of things to talk about. So I'm interested in kind of talking with you today about the space that we've had and, and what might have come out of this. I mean, how's the experience been for you? How have the last sort of several weeks been? Well, very up and down, really, especially at the beginning. Um, as you say, you know, I'm one of the very lucky ones who we, you know, have a safe home. Um, I don't have any... I'm a writer. My job is always precarious. It's, it's not actually any more precarious despite the gazillion cancellations. Um, and I, I, I feel that all the time, how lucky we've been. And yet, at the same time, it's been very destabilising. You know, my partner's business is very badly affected. Um, 
But it's more an, a sort of internal destabilisation, really, than the external factors for me that, uh, you know, you can measure them and count them, which are income going down, that sort of stuff, don't really account for the kind of sort of turmoil mm. that, that I had at the beginning and that has now been replaced by a sort of, I don't know, a sense of coming to some more resolved feelings about it, I guess. But there was a sort of sense of, um, well, just panic that was then manifested in having to rush around filling up the time with um, sort of uh, meaningful activities. So, you know, zooming till I'm blue in the face, basically. I think we're all, you know, now now we're all hearing about the Zoom fatigue and uh, the, how that actually is quite exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, the baking. I haven't actually started making sourdough bread, but only because uh, if I did, I'd be eating a loaf of bread a day, which I would love. But, um, but I've been doing a lot of cooking and gardening and all that. And, you know, some of that's been beautiful. Um, but I guess I was sort of interested in looking at are we, people like me, rushing around consuming stuff in the same way that I might sort of sneer at somebody else for consuming, you know, material things, but it's the same kind of panicky impulse. And that to, has to, really... To know all the things, to read all the things. To, to, read, to, all, to yeah. read all the books and watch all the meaningful TV things and, um, you know, watch all the moving... Um, tributes on Facebook and um, but also do do my yoga, do my Pilates, go for a walk and that's all apart from disinfecting everything every 10 seconds and um, so there was a sort of um, rushing of activity to stave off a feeling of what happens when we go still, you know, because I think that really fills us with panic in our culture. But there is this sort of sense that we should be behaving in a certain way or we should be respond, responding to this mm. in a certain way and mm. and which is about using the time, you know. Yeah, well, and, you know, as a writer, I think a lot of us in the beginning felt that, well, this is what I do anyway. This is how I live my life normally. Um, you know, I'm already in social isolation because I work at home in my own office I'm in my own head you know but still I know a lot of people just felt very you know it was frightening especially at the beginning um and still is around the world absolutely terrifying um so there was that kind of fear of what does this mean are, are people we love going to die and you know that's serious um so it was very hard to focus on going back to work um but over time, I think a lot of us have just sort of calmed down and managed to just go back into our um, creative spaces in our heads. See, I would have thought that being a writer would give you a sort of superpower to deal with all of this, you know, because not only are you now able to stay at home, which, as you say, is a state of being in a state of working that you're incredibly familiar with. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is your job. Yeah. Um, but also... There must be a huge amount of kind of fodder for writerly interest looking around how people are responding to this. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, there's a response from the kind of publishing world or like the magazine, newspaper-y publishing world, which is 
tell us how you're coping in the pandemic and what are you reading in the pandemic and what are you writing in the pandemic and and you know suddenly bits of money being offered to writers to respond to the pandemic it's like just give writers money to write their books <laughs> you know that would be the best response to the pandemic i think are we going to see a rush of pandemic novels after well, this i mean i hope not in a way because i feel like something like this takes a long time to understand what's happened and again i guess that's part of the rushing that i was talking about before this sort of i mean i think it's it would be really great for all of us to to really think about what has this meant for me and my family or my household or um, what has it told me about myself? And I'm sort of in that mode now. When you're lucky, like I've been, it's actually very precious to, mm. to think we have never seen something like this in our lives and what does it mean? How is it going to change us? I feel like it should change us. If it doesn't change us, then that's... I think there's something wrong. You've written a lot about the idea of an inner life, you know, and I feel like that is something that we've all had to confront, you know, um, throughout this. We've all been spending a lot more time alone. There's been a lot less stimulus mm. in one sense. And I wonder what that has shifted in the way that we view our kind of inner life. I mean, what do you mean by inner life? Yeah, well, what do we mean? Like, it's it's a... It's a question, isn't it? What We sort of say it as if we all know what it means, but when you know, I sat down to write a piece about it and I thought, what is it? What is the inner life? And I guess the conclusion I came to was that for, for me as a writer, as an artist, I would think of myself, it's, it's my creative mind, I suppose. And that doesn't mean that non-artists don't have an inner life, but I guess it, it's, to me, the... Having a concept of the mind as a place, as a, as a precious thing, um, is the beginning of, of having a rich inner life. So feeling that your, your, your mind, as opposed to your brain, um, is a place to go and explore things, is a spacious place, is um, a place of curiosity and um, sort of slow thinking and exploration, but also an expansive space, you know, a space that has a lot of freedom. And so for artists, I think, and for writers, um, we are used to going to that place. That's where we live, you know, in our working hours. And that that does um, allow us, I think, sort of maybe just less fearful access to it. Um, so access to this sort of almost physical space of the mind. Yeah, do you, do you to an imaginative space. Sort of? I do. Sometimes I see it as, you know, I mean, it sounds sort of a bit hokey, but as a garden or as a sort of um, a wild space of um, where things grow and um, things move and change, Um and I guess that's different in my mind from thinking about the brain, which is when I use that word, I think of it more as a kind of processor or... A, or yeah, a, yeah, an a, engine. A, yeah. Mm. So, and I guess the, the inner life um, concept for me is about a quiet space mm. and a space that you have to go and sort of um, sometimes sort of wait for things to make sense and wait for meaning to come and you have to look for it. So it's sort of active but also... Uh, quiet, if that can make any sense. Yeah. So now you're in a 
period as as we are where we are we have this space and we have this time to go and and, and visit this has 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 the way has your cognitive function changed much i've personally particularly at the beginning found it very hard to settle into any kind of serious sustained thinking you know i i, mm. I was incapable of reading a novel but able to read, you know, literally thousands of articles about the effect of, of COVID-19 and and kind of maintaining a sort of, you know, steady mental course was just blown up, you yeah. know. Did, did you have a similar experience or have you found that I did in that, that sort of panic phase mm. of just... Because you did want to know what should you be doing, what shouldn't you be doing and all of that. But um, once I went back to work on my book... I, all of that just, it was almost like, I don't know, going underwater or something when all the noise just recedes and falls into the background and there is focus. And I was really concerned that I wouldn't be able to focus at all. Um, and I do think for lots of people, especially, you know, lots of writers and artists who had got kids to homeschool mm-hmm. now as well, that, you know, it's not going to be available to lots of people. But it was kind of amazing to me to... to just see again what I've always known and it drives me nuts that I have to discover it all the time, which is that attending to the work will bring its own rewards. It's not, I can't wait to calm down and get some focus and then go to the work. And when you say go to the work, you mean go to your writing desk and sitting down and writing? Yeah, and mm. turning off the email, leaving the phone in the other room, stepping way back from social media, which totally fans all that kind of panicky, rushy stuff, um, and just going inward, you know, instead of looking around the outside world, especially the media, um, for reassurance or meaning or, you know, um, anything, <laughs> to just go into the imaginative space for me as a novelist um, and start just doing what I've always done, but it sort of was easy to forget how to do that this time. Yeah. But, you know, it's sort of, I think a lot of writers feel this, that they've, they've sort of, when there's some sort of malaise, they think, oh, I can't write. And the only cure for the malaise is writing. <laughs> but you sort of have to learn it every time. It just drives us nuts. Maybe it's like you sometimes have to remind yourself that physical exercise makes you feel better and if you if you get up and yeah, get that, out and that, go for the run or I'm whatever. I'm too tired to go for a run, yeah. but if you go for the run, you won't be tired. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It is the same kind of thing. And it is. I think that it's also like a muscle, you know. The more, the more you attend to the imagination, the quicker is the dive into it and the absorption and the, um, you know, that beautiful immersion that that is why you do it in the first place. You were writing about, you know, all the social media distraction. Sorry, you you were just talking about all the social media distraction and and all of that that we have to deal with. And and one of the things that that it's occurred to me is that, you know, for for years now there's been this huge um, sort of virtue around busyness. Mm. You know, like 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 you run into how have you been? Have you, oh so busy, so busy, and you know I'd I'd love to. I'm so busy, and and this this kind of idea that the busy you are, the more worthwhile you are, and the more kind of you know important you are, or you know those sorts of things, and 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 it really feels like this 
whole experience has taken that idea and just gone nuts. You know, yeah. like, 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 really, you, you, you have to strip that from your kind of mental vocabulary. And one of the things I think that um, that that's forced a lot of people to do is confront their own inner lives, mm. right? Which they see as a kind of emptiness, I think. Right, because when you're not filling it up with busy, busy stuff, and I, you know, I'm I'm as prone to that as anybody. Um, you think, oh, people are just trying to distract me. I can't be distracted. And then you're thinking, oh, no one's distracting me. What am I going to do? You know? um, but, and I, I think that busy, the sort of virtue of being busy thing is really um, rampant. And, um, you know, there's a kind of vanity or a slightly self-aggrandising thing in it, which means... Um, I'm so busy because people want me to do so many things. Mm-hmm. I'm so in demand. You know? um, so, yes, when, when you're not in demand, um, then what? And I think there is a kind of... Um, we're very afraid of stillness. We're very afraid of silence. We're afraid... I don't know, maybe we're afraid that if we stop and, and sort of go inward, there's nothing there. Or what so you find is we? terrifying. Yeah, or what you find is terrifying. What What is there? Um, but I would suggest that for most people who don't have, you know, for people who don't have serious trauma or something, um, it's just sort of practice to go. It's like when you learn to meditate, right? I mean, I meditate nearly every morning and every time I think, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I can't do it. It's something scary about sitting still and breathing. Um, and I'm really terrible at it, but I still do it. Um, and the more you do it, the less scary it is and everything. But I, don't, I still don't understand really why we're so afraid of stillness. Mm. I mean, I think partly it's because our whole culture, well, capitalism depends on no stillness. You know, it's relentless production and relentless consumption. Um, and that if you're still, you're not buying anything. Um, and that is, you know, must be stopped at all costs. So I think it works, you know, it's not surprising that we are so um, alarmed when we just stop. I think it would be really lovely if we were conscious of what's happening rather than, you know, I mean, even the, you know, that, uh, people who watch a lot of Netflix or whatever and, and we talk about binging series. And that sort of binging idea is is that relentless consuming thing, I think. So I would love for us to come out of this with more self-awareness and mm. all of that. I suspect that when we can, we'll just go back and fill our lives with all the junk that we normally have. But there are, you know, thoughtful people will will be thinking about this now, I think, about what do we want to change, and not just in ourselves, but in our world. We've mm. got, you know, we've just come out of that horrific bushfire time we, there is a connection between pandemics and the natural world and what, what's going to happen there. And I think if we can be thoughtful, we're just paying attention, as I said before, to the detail of our, of our own self. I would love us to, I mean, the thing about bread, you know, we were joking about the sourdough bread before, but I'm really interested that that was such a, People just seized on that immediately. It's so sort of symbolic um, of something really simple, 
um, old-fashioned, it's um, nourishing, um, it's not fancy cooking, it's bread-making people are going for. I mean, I think sourdough bread-making I was going to say, if you've ever tried to make sourdough. But... But, you know, it's kind of of the old world. It is. And it also actually takes a long time, you know. Like yeah. a good loaf of sourdough takes, it's a 24-hour cycle and you have to be attentive to it. And you, and have, you have to, to feed the thing yeah. all the time. And I do think that's that's a really, um, the, the inner life needs to be fed and nourished and paid attention to for it to flourish. Mm. Um, like a garden. <laughs> I'm not going to go the bread dough thing. But, um, you know... I think it's just very interesting that that was such a a symbol that people needed kind of instantly, mm. and that isn't that isn't about fast results. You say it's not processed. It's not made by somebody else. It's made by me in my kitchen with my family. Um, Although my neighbour brought me a very nice loaf the other day. so That she'd made or he'd that made? That she'd made. I'm all in favour of other people making sourdough. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I'm wanting uh, to talk about throughout this, this Thinking Through the Crisis series that we're going to be doing here is this idea of what we want to retain on the other side, you know, like what, what, we, um, what we can learn from this and what we can carry through. But do you think that's going to be possible? Like, like, like do you think... Th- what do you think we need to do in order to ensure that this sort of introspection that we might have developed or this appreciation of solitude or stillness that we might have gained over this period, is that going to be hard to maintain when things go back to normal? Because I suspect it will be. And if so, then how do we ensure that we do? Well, I think that's why we need to kind of articulate it now and think about it now in detail and not just let it pass by without really interrogating what what has changed for us. In one sense in my life, nothing's really changed. In another sense, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. So what is the detail of the everything? Um, and, I mean, one thing I, I feel, and I've learned this several times because I'm a writer basically, is that middle-class people can live on a lot less money than they yeah. earn. Um, and I think... For a lot of people, the initial panic of, oh, my God, my income's halved, have been kind of surprised to to understand that actually if I don't buy this or that or if I don't go here and there, I can't, you know, anyone who's, who's left a job to study, um, anyone who's left work or dropped their work to be an artist knows that. that and, it's, and I think we're all really stunned at how much we don't need mm. um, so I think, I really hope that is a realisation that helps us because we need to consume less, you mm. know, in all kinds of ways. Um, that consideration of the detail that you talk about I think is super important, um, but it is also very much an individual thing, right, you know. Yeah. How do you think we can, and, and, and of course this has been a period where we've had to become sort of... It, it's this sort of paradox, as we were saying at the start of the conversation, between these intense alone experiences that we're having, but that's against the backdrop of the knowledge that people all around the world are having parallel, extremely similar experiences. Yeah, I mean, there is that sense of a kind of um, renewed connection too, right? So we're, in the, we're all isolated, but then there's, I mean, I think there's a lot of us who have been very kind of emotionally labile, you know, that 
you know, seeing health workers um, talking to each other across the world has been... We've had a sense of connection with people elsewhere in the world that we don't normally have, especially in Australia. Mm. Um, so, or, you know, the whole kindness pandemic, I mean, that that word gets overused, I think. But, there, you know, people are being nice to each other in a way that that is a beautiful thing to, you know, um, try and carry forward. I mean, I think the idea that governments have that we have to snap back afterwards, that I think that would be a real loss if we just... And I don't think it's going to happen anyway. It can't happen. It's going to be gradual. Um, but the idea that we want everything to go straight back to the way it was... We don't. We don't want that because that's kind of what caused this. So, I mean, there's a lot of talk about the new normal, but what do we want the next new normal to be? Mm, well, that'll be, you know, a really individual thing, won't it? But Well, kind of, although... But I do... I've, what I've heard a lot is about people in families with kids talking about the time that they're spending together as a family being kind of beautiful mm. and um and you know even my partner sean and i just spending a lot of time at home together alone reading or you know i, I just um last friday night we were just reading at nine o'clock at night which we sort of often do but i was like well this is the fifth friday in a row we've just and it was lovely yeah. you know the stillness the the, you know, we had a nice dinner. It was just the, the stillness. I, I would... I think we, if we can choose what we want to do after this, not just go, I've got to go out three, five nights a week because someone asked me to go out, um, rather think, what do I want to do? Do I want to stay home? Like, we're allowed to like staying home, you know? Right. The novel that you're working on now um, is about nuns, right? Yeah, I mean, the novel I'm working on, which is you know, about 5,000 words. So when we say novel, the idea, the kind of embryo of what I'm working on. Yes, yeah, sorry, go on. Do, do you feel like um, that, that having to have spent this last period of time in isolation has given you new and improved understanding of your character's inner, inner life or desires? Well, I have been interested in that there are a few um, stories, you know, on, in various magazines online written by nuns about um, self-isolating and saying, look, I've been self-isolating for 25 years. Here's what, how you do it. These are people in sort of enclosed orders, obviously, people who have retreated from the world. And that, that I am interested in that, that um, tension between participating actively in the world and withdrawing from the world and what's the use of withdrawing from the world, you know, spiritually speaking. Um, but that's actually something I think we are learning is the the kind of um, communal benefit of not doing, mm. you know, the, the benefit to our planet of restraint, of stillness, of staying away, of, of, of not acting in any way. You know, it's a kind of first do no harm principle. And I guess you know, religious communities of any kind, you know, whether it's a Zen monastery or 
um, you know, a bunch of nuns in a country town um, have kind of understood that the the value of withdrawal and restraint. Um, so I guess you know the pandemic has maybe brought that to the fore for some of us. I don't know if it's going to help me write the book, but <laughs> it's been kind of useful in in certain ways, sort of narratively already. Yeah. What is the most important thing about solitude? Hmm. It's that it enlarges the creative spirit, I suppose, for me. Hmm. Solitude and boredom even kind of pushes open the doors into this place I was talking about before. Because um, without solitude, I can't really go there. Um, I need a certain amount of quietness and solitude to just enter the, 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 the imagination. Um, I mean, it sounds obvious, really, but it's amazing how much there is to prevent you from, from going to that space. Mm. But solitude is a really kind of crucial um, tool, I suppose. And how turning off the stimulus actually creates a wellspring of creativity. Yeah, and that thing of understanding that solitude opens up a stillness, but it's not a void, yes. you know. It's a well and it fills. It'll fill itself if you are um, confident enough to just sit with it, to be still, you will find things arising. But if you kind of, if you look at the stillness and think, oh, I need to put stuff in there, then, then it doesn't have the same benefit, I think. Well, Charlotte Wood, it has been so nice to sit with you in this very still theatre. It's um, amazing to be here. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you so much. I, I really hope that people who've been watching this uh, at home have been able to think about this really amazing time and maybe find the space to create, to feel more connected and to feel better about being a person that's sharing the same experience with countless millions of other people. So thank you so much for joining us from our house to yours. Thanks for listening. And please rate and review Ideas at the House in your favourite podcast app. You can also listen to more Sydney Opera House podcasts at sydneyoperahouse.com slash podcasts.